So this MP said, there's no way I could be an MP without my outside interests. My wife works full time. I've got kids and need the money for childcare. That was what one MP said to a Financial Times reporter. Because he needs his second job, right? So he's interesting. Got, so he's so got kids. Interesting. Right? That 82 grand is finances. just not enough. It's just not enough. But right. how much is child benefit? He's, how much he's, is universal credit payments? That's not the point. His £82,000 a year, for him, it's not the point. Because for his £82,000 a year and his wife's salary, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. They need to pay for childcare. So what about the rest of us who are living off of less of that? Do they need to pay for childcare? How are we supposed to pay for childcare? <laughs> like, this is but, so tone deaf. Now, they get, obviously, the 80 k London rent paid for. Mm-hmm. Travel expenses, mm-hmm. subsidised food. Have you seen the menus in the House of Commons? Don't get me started. I saw the sea bass. They had like a, a, a sea bass, a sea bass entree for two pound fifty. Fuming. And they've got a nursery on site. So I guess for this MP, the House of Commons nursery is probably not good enough. I mm. presume. Well, or maybe his kids. No, but his kids probably live in the constituency. So mm. obviously, having a nursery. In Parliament doesn't matter because his kids might be two, three, four hundred miles away. He's got okay. to pay for the nannies, the school clubs. Move your family up here, then. It's so expensive. You can't be having a good time in your peer de terre if your family's here with the two children, is it? And obviously, there's the house to maintain in the constituency, and, and there? there's all of, there's a lot of costs. Being an MP is. Difficult. Oh, it's so dear, it's so difficult. All earning the top five percent of earners in the United Kingdom, just such a hard, hard job. You just have to take that second job of two hundred thousand pounds a year, offering advice a political consultancy. One hundred. Oh, it depends on which who which MP we're talking about. Well, yes, indeed. Uh, is, there's an, there's another one that came out today. Yes. <laughs> They're all coming. all coming out of the woodworks now. Everyone's shook now. Mm. Hello and welcome to Not Bane Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at Parliament and stories from across the diaspora. So it's been an absolute stormer of a week for our poor beleaguered MPs and their second jobs. They just they're struggling to make ends meet, aren't they? So it's just, oh, on the breadline. <laughs> Owen Patterson, of course, that's who we're talking about. Owen Patterson, the now former Conservative MP for North Shropshire, has, after U-turns upon U-turns, now resigned. So that's actually a fourth. Uh, we can probably talk about it. We'll probably have a lot to talk about in the next few weeks because we've now got a fourth by-election coming up. Four, well, three, and a potential oh, fourth. never-ending, isn't it? By-election, Brexit... General election, by-election, general election, trying to get a second Brexit. I'm tired of voting. Please give me a break. I've got things going on. I don't have time to send in queues all day. Yeah, but to be fair, a by-election vote only matters to the 80,000 people who live in that constituency. It doesn't really matter, you know, to you. I mean, I mean it matters if you yourself have any sort of party allegiance, if it matters to your party, if it matters about, you know, ground um, ground roots work, all of that sort of grassroots work, sorry. That's, then it matters. But, you know, sure, by-elections don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Why not? Ah. So, yes, Owen Patterson, he has resigned. Now, are you going to lay out exactly what happened in the Commons this week with this... Tory sleaze again. 
That's what it, Tory sleeves. That's what everybody's. I'm sick of. I think journalists need to be a bit more inventive because all I'm seeing in headlines and, and the start of articles is Tory sleeves, Tory sleeves. Okay, cool, we get it. Well, well, actually, it probably also, works. Maybe that's why it's cutting through. Maybe that's why it's cutting through. One political editor actually called it a Westminster bu- bubble story. That it wasn't oh, actually you know, of, of interest. Environment secretary. That it wasn't of an, of interest to the wider public. It was actually just a Westminster bubble, and it was going to blow over. I believe one political editor, one political editor whose name I won't name, has said that it wasn't that important at all. So it's Who interesting. Was the editor? I'm such a, I'm not going to name names. But it's um, very interesting to see that this Westminster bubble story has somehow managed to blow up to such large proportions. I wonder why. That yes. the, the voting public would care about MPs having second jobs of earning so much more money. But that's actually, actually a first job. If you're <laughs> earning more money in your second job than your, your MP's job, that's your first job because your allegiance lies where you're getting the most money, if we're being honest. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, and who have been living under a rock for the past week. Owen Paterson, who, as I said, is the now former MP for North Shropshire, was found to be guilty of an egregious case of paid advocacy and had brought the House into disrepute. That is what the Parliament's Standards Committee, which includes which includes Conservative MPs, the chairman of which is a Conservative MP, that's what they said about him. Uh, and uh, he should be, they, they recommended he should be suspended for 30 days which uh, incidentally, as I said, is also long enough to trigger a recall if enough voters demanded it. So what happened was Mr. Patterson had lobbied ministers and officials on behalf of two companies. So basically, guy had a side gig on top of his MP job for two companies. One was called Randox, which is a clinical diagnostics firm, and the other one, Lynn's Lynn's Country Foods, who are a meat Randox who have now a uh, government contract and have moved um, themselves offshore. (laughs) <laughs> They're the ones who have the massive contracts for um, COVID tests for when you travel. Like, I uh, believe I used them to go away recently. So, uh, yeah, you know, you do with that information what you will. Indeed. And he was paid a grand total of 100,000, sorry, more than £100,000 uh, a year for consulting work. So the problem here was, it's not so much that he had a second job, um, as we'll probably go on to talk a bit later, and probably going to be talking about next week, because this story keeps blowing up by the day. A lot of MPs have second jobs, uh, from David Lammy hosting a LBC radio show to, as the case with Mr. Patterson, you know, advising or consulting for various companies in various capacities. Um, so it's not so much that they have second jobs, it's what they do with those second jobs. And there is an argument now about whether MPs should have second jobs at all. Um, but the problem here was he was essentially flouting the rules. So there are some rules. They do have some rules uh, around second jobs. And he was flouting the rules. So he was doing things like, uh, you know, getting meetings with ministers, which would benefit these companies who were also paying him, who were paying him £100,000 a year. He was doing things, again, uh, there was something else that he did which was blatant, blatantly against the rules. He used House of Commons letterheaded paper to, you know, send notes and messages, but directly related to those companies. He hosted business so meetings. as a lobbyist? Yes, he hosted business meetings in his parliamentary office for those companies. All of these things which you are not allowed to do if you do have what MPs, what's called outside interests. Um, so there was then a, so so essentially what happens is, there's the uh, co- there's a commissioner who's a civil servant who essentially is an employee of parliament, 
And she is the person who, you know, does investigations into MPs if they've done things wrong. And she, her, her conclusion was that, yes, he has done something very wrong. Um, so what happens after that then? You get the, uh, as I said, the standards committee. So these are now MPs. So this is a committee of MPs who review what's been given to them by the commissioner. And they then backed up what she said and the quotes I read before about him bringing the house into disrepute. Those were quotes made by the committee. Now, the final stage after the committee is it goes to a, a vote from the entire House of Commons. So you've got three stages. You've got the commissioner, who's basically a civil servant who investigates. You've got then the uh, small committee of MPs who further investigate. And then you've got the last stage, which is the entire House then votes on whether to sort of adopt what's been handed down as a punishment. So that's the stage we got to last Wednesday where the House, the entire House of Commons were about to vote on whether to ratify the fact, ratify uh, the judgment that he should be suspended for 30 days from the House. And this is where it got juicy. Because, because but, but as yeah, on the side though, it's just kind of like, this would have all been over in 30 days. They've actually ratted, ratcheted up the yeah. drama, the political drama, the media drama, all of this backlash. Let him take the suspension. You did something out of order. You were taking the absolute mick. Just take that, like take the L, take the rap on the knuckles, because that's not really all that it was, a rap on the knuckles. Oh, and yeah. now look where we've gotten to. Sorry to cut you off, but it's just it, it really does it was just ridiculous behavior from both the conservatives and Owen. But this just absolute ridiculous behavior to accept even a smidgen of accountability. 30 days of accountability was too much to accept. And now we're here. Yes, that's it. So what um, the so what happened was um, instead usually what happens now sorry the last so in this last stage where MPs all vote on whether to accept the findings or not it's usually left to uh, their conscience so they're not whipped meaning they're not told by their party leaders which way to vote as they are with certain other votes certain other you know they're voting on a certain bill um, it's usually left up to them to individual MPs to decide whether they want to say yay or nay however this time um, conservative MPs were forced they were whipped they were told by the by the chief whip who is the person in the party who basically you know goes around and says you must vote this way or you must vote that way um that they had to vote um to essentially save owen's neck and in the meantime as well as saving his neck essentially disband this process and develop a brand new process because they said the process isn't fair so this is where they this is sort of this or this was their out because they have since u-turned this got the U-turned. This all happened in the space of 24 hours. But at the time, before they U-turned, the argument was, oh, he, he didn't get a fair hearing. He wasn't allowed to appeal. They kept using the term nat natural justice. Johnson used it. Reese Mogg used it. Saying it's very that, philosophical. You know, That's yes. very, very philosophical A-level. <laughs> yes. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Goodness gracious. We're really digging into the eaten bag there, aren't they? He wasn't afforded the chance. He wasn't afforded natural justice. He wasn't allowed to Oof. defend his case. So, so in addition to... Yeah, because to... he did that. He did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he did it. He, he did it and he knows he did it. And you men are doing all of this because you don't want to... We don't want to lose face on being like, oh, well, no, look, the, all the Tories see, they're going to make a story out of it. They're going to make a story out of it. And now here we are. You've captured a news cycle for what's been a week and you're going to capture it for another week as well. And that's the thing. You, you, you mentioned there that, you know, that they tried to save him because they didn't want it to be made a story. But I wager that if they had just let this happen, most people wouldn't have noticed. Or if it, was, if it would, have, would have been noticed. Like, look now, it's now Tuesday. This happened last Wednesday. It's still the biggest news story. Like, it would have blown easy. over by weekend if Teddy just left it. You know, people would have just rolled their eyes on oh, the Tory. 
you know, or that's what certain press, certain aspects of the press, other aspects of the press would have just completely ignored it. it would have been, you know, page ten, and it would have been done. But they've actually they've made it a story by by what they've done. So what they did was, so as I said, that motion then passed very, not very convincingly though. Uh, the numbers were yeah, they weren't happy. Uh, it. What did we have? We had two hundred and fifty MPs to two hundred and thirty-two. Now that's despite the government having a majority of eighty. And it being a three-line whip, a three-line whip being sort of the most, um, uh, a three-line whip basically meaning you absolutely have to vote for this or you will lose a job, which actually happened. A parliamentary private secretary lost her job. This is a Conservative MP because she voted against the motion. Um, she was then reinstated the next day because the government U-turned. Now, as part of this whole new process they wanted to bring in, you have to have MPs from all parties on these committees. And the opposition MPs just flat, opposition parties flatly refused to engage. So it forced the government to do a complete 180 U-turn by the next day. And, you know, now they're just mealy mouth saying, we're going to look into the process on a cross-party basis, blah, 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 blah. Basically, we got caught. The mm -hmm. other parties said, we're not involved. So therefore, we're, we're now going cap in hand and, and turning around. So they've made themselves, so not only have they made it a story, they've made themselves look stupid. They've made themselves look um, incompetent because they also had Uncle Quasi. I said Uncle and somebody DM'd me before, so told me to stop, stop referring to him as Uncle because he's is not it, his uncle. Uh, okay, uncle. we had Quasi, we had Quasi, Quasi, Quasi. The reason I come Uncle, and same with Cleverly, I actually respected these guys once. Anyway. Of course said, you respect them. By this, by they, are they are brethren in um, political opinion. No, nah, but I mean, like you, these guys, they 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 were they they seemed like they had, you know, something about them, and now they're just was it the uh, was it the, was the No, I mean, cleverly is the classic example. Clever, I don't even know what his job is now. Minister without portfolio, he's not even that. Anyway, he it, he seemed like a decent, a decent, a half serious, half serious, half decent politician. And now he's just turned into a complete mouthpiece shill for Johnson. Same with Quasi Quarteng. So they had Quasi Quarteng basically doing the rounds on the media on Thursday morning, trying to defend the indefensible. And as I said, they've, they're just, they've now appeared, they're making themselves be completely incompetent because whilst they had him out on the media doing, the, doing this, they're then basically at the same time, they must have been at the same time planning this U-turn. So they can't even communicate with each other. Owen Patterson himself didn't realise the U-turn happened. He got Oof. told by a journalist. So you've got sleaze, you've got incompetence, you've got corruption. You've this just is got what everything. Dom talks about is that there's a failure of centralization of decision making. Things are just trickled down. It's government by leak. But it's not something that we've experienced. Because look how you, who's the guy at the top? The most well, disheveled, unorganized, unorganized, um, you know, work shy. Right. It's not a surprise, is it? So there's all this um, discussion, and I think, in fact, one of the news political news correspondents from Sky was talking about, oh, well, we should triple um, MP salaries, and that's the best way to allow them not to do second jobs. And it's kind of like, there's people here who earn a quarter of their salaries or a third of their salaries and make do without um, second jobs or, you know, make do with the jobs that they have. The idea that, you know, if we just give MPs more money, then they won't have to take second jobs. They don't have to take second jobs now. It's all a choice. If they decide to engage in political lobbying, or if, in fact, not even if they decide to engage in political lobbying, if you're looking for a second job as an MP, you're susceptible to um, bribery, you're susceptible to um, coercion. So you shouldn't be, you should be doing 
becoming a minister, becoming an MP as an act of public service. If you don't want to be of service to the public, just go and be a consultant, go and work for Deloitte, go and do the job that you're doing on the, on, you know, on the midnight oil, go and do that full time. No one's forcing you. You're taking these jobs that you wouldn't ever have got or wouldn't have access to without by virtue of the fact that you're an MP. And that means that you're trading your um, role as an MP to these companies for money, for whatever reason, for access, for lobbying, for coercion. Stop it. Why do we like why does this conversation even need to be had? It's quite clear that there is a um, conflict of interest in all of these situations. There is no way in which this can be clean cut. So disallow it. It's as simple as. I disagree. Of course, you disagree. Uh, you should be able to. Sense. You think you should be able, because you probably think you should be able to trade uh, your position in return for money no, slash favors. Think no, and uh, and therein lies why I disagree because it's not a simple. Uh, it's it's not binary. All right, it's not simple as you either allowed a second job, ergo you will be engaged in corruption, or you're not allowed a second. Of job. course not. You're right. It's of course not, not all. That. You're right because not all second jobs, you know, engage you in corruption. Obviously, Nadia Whitton was working as a um, carer during COVID. That was not, you know, open to corruption. Mm-hmm. But when she talked about the fact that there was a lack of PPE in the care home, she did get fired because they said that she was lying. And then it came out a year and a half later that in fact she was telling the truth. So yeah, of course there were some, you know, second jobs that are, you know, of use or are noble. Being a political um, consultant to. Uh, a specific a trading group with which you have sway over in the public domain is probably not one of them. Yeah, I mean... Like Patterson. So, yeah, sure, if you want to be a carer or a nurse or if you want to maintain your um, registration as a GP... Or, or what about what about if you want to write a column in a newspaper? No, you should, MP should not be allowed to write columns. What about if you want to have a radio show? Not paid for. No, you shouldn't be allowed to be paid for that either. So David Lammy shouldn't have his LBC radio show. He can have his LBC radio show. He shouldn't be paid for it. I I just I just don't think it's reasonable to expect. Why Why do you think it's unreasonable? Because okay, I know an MP's jo- okay. So an MP's job because in certain other types of job, you, they say that they see that you're susceptible or you can be susceptible to bribery coercion by virtue of your main job that they have. So they, one, either don't allow you to have second jobs or two, limit the types of second jobs that you can have. Yes, exactly. Limit the types of second jobs you can have. And I think that's and the, them. That, that is... They're I in think, the top 5% of earners. You're, if you want to be uh, an MP, so you can't be a second job. If 82k is not enough for you as no, no, an no, MP, no, go and get a different job. No, but how much you're earning shouldn't matter. It shouldn't be about what you're earning. It should be about whether it's right, right. Period. Regardless of the money, clearly, so if a, you need to also work for Randolph as a member of the um, ruling party, then maybe you should get a different job. No, because at the end of the day, right, an MP has certain, an MP has a certain status, all right, and that can be used for public good outside of just their role as an MP. So what? So, I so e. in terms of a radio so presenter, what, I what, e. what public good um, was you know, Owen doing? Do you think? So. But let me go back to the examples I raised. Okay, the raise your okay. the, the column, the, writing a column, for example. At the end mm. of the day, how do MPs express themselves? Most Why do they the need to be paid? Why do they need to be paid to write a column? No, no, but how do they how they express themselves? As because they're MPs, expressing their political you... opinion as a member of parliament. No, but so they're I'm already just... doing that and they shouldn't be paid for it. No, but what I'm saying is how we usually picture an MP, an MP um, ex- expressing themselves is, you know, standing up in the House of Commons and giving a speech. How many people watch parliament TV? How many people watch... If you're a banging orator, so they'll, they'll is, show you a clip no, on Sky they News. Don't. Let's be honest, 2021, people are not watching that. So 
what's wrong then with an MP using a newspaper column to say the same thing that he, he or she would say in the House of Commons? Absolutely, you should be able to do that for free 99. But again, that goes back to that goes back to the disagreement here. You're making this about how much they're paid. It's not about the money. It's about it's whether about all of it together. It's right I don't think you can wrong. separate. It's about I don't think you can separate the two. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I don't, well, Just because they're paid. A I don't think you can separate the two. No, I don't to. think you could. I think if you were paid twenty five k, you still should not be able to do it as a, to um, be a political consultant as a secondary job. There is a clear conflict of interest. You can do other work for free. And then even then, there needs to be stipulations. The same way there's stipulations for bankers, the same way there's stipulations for lawyers. But somehow members of parliament who have insane levels of, um, of um, skill, who have insane levels of access to the levers of power, to the, um, the levers of contracting for like large government contracts, there's somehow there are no rules whatsoever. They can basically, it's a free-for-all. My issue is... Isn't the money at all? I don't care how much they get paid. Like, look issue, at the connections a, between my, Dido Harding and Matt Hancock and um, the head of Serco and Theresa May. Like, come on, we have to at some point be like, what is everyone pretending that they're blind here or what? My my biggest issue in this is um, no, no, no. My biggest issue is just conflict of interest. That's definitely the biggest issue. But my next biggest issue, my second issue in this is the time it takes away from the job that they're actually supposed to be doing. So. One suggestion has been, oh, well, a second job should be capped at uh, 20% of the work week. Okay, that might be something you could maybe work out. But my thing is, if, if they're to, especially if you're a minister, and I know the rules are different if you're a minister or an MP, but you're already doing more than, you're already doing more than one job. Like even an MP, you are, um, you're, you're an MP. You're then doing your constituency work. You're managing it. You've got your office. You've got your office in your constituency. You've got your office in in Parliament. There's there's a there's a lot to do. I'm just wondering how these guys are finding the time to exactly. do all of these side hustles. But you somehow have time to do a side hustle that earns you a hundred thousand pounds. But how even, are you? How, how often are you doing your surgeries? How's well, that case think, workload going in your um in your constituency office, brother? Something when was else the last time you spoke in Parliament? Hmm. I think something else to consider, though, is how much time the actual side hustles are taking, because it's clear that these people that they might be a lot of them are being, you know, they're paying for um, access. Then the, you know, they're, they're being paid for like, you know, something like, you know, 40 hours a month was one MPs, one MP. Because as we said, um, since this happened last Wednesday, all these stories are now coming out about this MP who does this work, that MP who does this work, this one. Who 40 does hours work. a month is still what, 10 hours a week. 10 hours a week as an MP that you're giving to a side job, I feel like is a lot of hours. Where do you find the time? Yeah, you're but, working nine to five. Uh, well, well, but here's the thing. And this is why, and this is partly why I don't That's have one day a week it. where you're Think working. About, yeah, I mean, but, unless you're working on we, a weekend, that means that's a day a week that we're missing out on you being a member of parliament. For but you've just said it there. No, you've just said it there at nine to five. And okay, an MP's work is not nine to five because they're working, you know, longer hours, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But, well, it's supposed to. But, if somebody, you know, if Joe Bloggs is working a nine to five, we we don't say he doesn't have time to do his side hustles. It's encouraged right now in the culture we're in. So, so I, I don't, don't believe. So again, in, I think I it, can be, ma- it can be money. So. Well, of course you don't, because you believe that you know we should all be paid, you know, hundred k UBI and and not have to work. Oh dear, but, I believe that everybody should be paid a living wage, so they are able, they're free to engage in their personal pursuits rather than saying like on saying like on the constant. Hustle. No, but you don't need to. It wouldn't be a side hustle. It would just be you're doing something for your Painting, love, for the love. Of yeah, it. for the love of it, rather than you know. But there's a problem if you want to sell it on the wheel forever and ever. There's not a problem if you want to sell it. 
That's not what I've said. So it's, you don't need to in order, grind on the wheel to survive on something that you're not passionate about. Anyway, let's not descend into discussions about UBI. Let's focus. I'm right. So continuing on with sleaze, because it's been a very sleazy week in the Westminster bubble. Um, interestingly enough, the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, has actually rejected the um, previous promise made in the 2019 Labour manifesto, which called on the fact that it would not allow any MPs to have any form of secondary jobs outside of the requirement to maintain any CBD levels, i.e., you know, continuous professional training for um, GPs. Keir and, has, lawyers. Is, and lawyers you know what I mean but you know the roles that would be applicable to Keir mm-hmm. has actually decided to come out against that and support uh MPs having second jobs in a time where it was a very easy win you know goal in the back of the net Keir once again makes a, a step in a in a direction of which many are slightly confused but I think what mm-hmm. should be noted is now Obviously, this week there's been a lot of attention. Well, all the attention has been on the government benches. But let's be realistic. If Keir Starmer turned around and fully backed that policy tomorrow, it would also affect Labour MPs too. Good. And I'm not saying that we're not. Are we not? We're not partial over here. Like David Lammy has earned. Everyone uh, can get the burner. So the, the Daily Mail, of course, um, came out today with um, uh, a story on David Lammy and how he's earned 140,000 over the last three, over three years. Over three years doing um, a radio show. At least his one was actual output and not essentially political clout. Mm, but whatever. My point Even then, being, still, he shouldn't be paid for it that would either. Affect the, it would affect that side too if you do a complete ban on second jobs. Yes, but why is anybody acting like this is a side thing? It's um a one, it's a morality thing, and two, what's best for the country thing. It's not about, oh, well, it will get Labour, oh, it will get the Greens. Who cares? It needs to be a blanket ban because it's quite clear that these lot cannot be trusted to self-regulate. Well, where's the 32 billion gone? These lot cannot be trusted to self-regulate. So we, as the electorate, need to regulate them. If we don't, they are going to ride roughshod over any rules that they even have in Parliament. Whatever happened to collective and ministerial responsibility? These lot don't even quit anymore when they they, they mess up. Okay, all right then. Anyway, carry on, Corey. That's how how we regulate them at Mm -hmm. a general election. And we return the politicians who we we want. That is our that is our expression of regulation. Okay. I mean you I guess you just want direct demand. But <laughs> it's interesting you say that. You're saying oh it shouldn't matter about parties. At the end of the day, politics that that's just the nature of politics. So how does this affect um the parties going forward? Because the uh, apart from this this and when Dominic Cummings said he was testing his eyesight out by going up to a castle in the north of England during the middle of lockdown Ooh, last year that was uh spicy that is the only other sort of big story big um you know coming out a big fault of government that has really caught as much traction as this one so what does that say what does it say about what what does it say about the future the future in terms of the by-elections coming up what does it say about the next general election the polls are even, are already slightly moving in Labour's direct in Labour's favour. As oh, polls, what, in, North, in Paterson, North, in North Shropshire. No, just no, just general opinion polls. Oh, okay. um, I mean, a, it's, it was it was looking forty. It was forty percent, forty points up for the Tories in the last opinion poll that I read. Mm. So the question is, how does this does you know how do uh, do Labour make hay out of it? Do does it affect Johnson? Does it affect Conservatives? How does it affect them? How for how long does it affect them? 
I mean, it really depends on how interesting the news cycle is this week and the next week. If it's a quiet news week, it can continue on until next week, Monday. If something drastic happens, which I'm sure everyone's hoping for, if not, you know, they can't find, then I doubt we will make it to the end of the week. But we're Wednesday and it's still going strong. So, I mean, and I think with the spectacular fashion with which Owen sort of bowed out of politics is what also has um, I keep calling him Owen like you and him are boys and girls Mm, anyway with the way that he bowed out is I think what has also um fanned the flames not controversy but it's made it sort of exciting he's written us all a letter he's called it the bowing out of the cruel world of politics protecting his children so all of it is you know quite high drama if we're being honest and so another that has definitely encouraged the uh, the continuance of the stories. True. I think another reason why it keeps continuing is the fact that it's not just about this story, is it? So there's, there's daily there's different things that keep coming out, which keep giving um, giving it energy. So there, I've got the Sunday Times here. I got the Sunday Times. The first I went to my news agents on Sunday to get a Sunday Times because I'd watch I'd uh, watching a paper review because they had this big Indeed, yes, my, my local news agents. Um, but anyway, the first time he told me he'd ever sold out of a Sunday Times, um, and it was for the same reason I went for it. I had to go Tesco in the end because he didn't have it. Anyway, back to the point about new things coming out every day. So this is Sunday now. Obviously, this all happened on Wednesday. Sunday now, this story came out, front page of the Sunday Times. New story sleaze rowers, donors who pay $3 million get seats in the Lords. Yeah. Um, then there's about Boris's uh, flat, the flat refurbishments that were paid for by yeah. a Tory donor. He went, there's uh, been, he went on holiday. There's been layering to, and layering of when he went on, on holiday to Mustique, when he went on holiday and stayed in one of Zach Goldsmith's uh, homes as well for Christmas. There's just been a layer yeah. upon layer upon layer that have been building up, which really, I think somebody described it as an, a sort of collective omerta in um, amongst the political media class where they just don't talk about sleaze. And it's like, now it's come to a head where they just can't pretend that it's not happening anymore. Like we can't, at some, like it's come to the point where it's like, is anybody going to ask the questions or is it going to be quite obvious that people are not pulling their fingers out because they all go to the spectator garden party? Because that's as much as everybody wants to pretend like that's really what it is. Everybody goes to the same political parties as each other. Everybody goes, everyone goes to the same journalistic as parties as each other. And nobody wants to risk access or conversation with their essentially their mate or their brother-in-law. So everybody pretends all these things are clearly, clearly incorrect, are not going on. Well, it's interesting you say that though, because it's been coming from all angles, like every both all both sides of the absolutely because it's a both sides problem. Like the guard, you know, the Guardian are hammering them as much as the Times are, as much even the Mail. Like everybody's hammering them for this. So I think again, that's another reason why it's got legs on it because you're seeing it from across the press. Everybody's hammering them for it. Um, I don't know. I think this might be one thing that might actually cut through because nothing else has cut through. Nothing else has really affected affected the government since uh, definitely since 2019. You know, not Brexit, not even COVID. No. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing has cut through. Until today, Boris was looking extremely dishevelled with his uh, his shirt bursting at the seams. His hair was extra squiff. His tie was flying off in the wind. He was looking very much sort of rattled, you know, and the fact that he even missed the debate, not sure why. There could have been a number of reasons. No one wanted to call. He didn't want to be pulled up on it or he didn't think that he would. No, he had a firing. Answers. He, so this is the debate where they were debating the debate in Parliament on Monday. He couldn't attend because he had a prior engagement at visiting a hospital. Ah, yes, indeed. He was uh, offering help with the COVID uh, rollout vaccines or what? 
And even that made news because he went into a hospital and wasn't wearing a mask. Was wearing a mask? Did he wash his hands? I mean, Mister, I've had COVID. Really it was so bad enough to be hospitalised. Generally speaking, uh, no comment. This week, Corey is taking us across the pond to Ethiopia to give us a lowdown on the uh, crisis and the coup that is taking place. Let's go. I mean, technically, it's down the pond because it's in Africa. Thank you for your directional uh, guidance. Geography was always my strong suit in school. Well, one of many, tell. really. Mm. Um, I was a pretty good student. Anyway, yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot happening. We, last, last week we did Sudan. Last week we covered the, what's going on in Sudan. I think a few weeks, well, a few months ago, we covered what's going on in Mali. There's a lot happening in uh, across the Sahel, a lot of countries across that region of Africa, a lot of turmoil. So, yes, this week... Uh, so a quick one on Ethiopia. So there's been a civil war which has been raging in Ethiopia for about a year. It kind of seemed to subside because the government kind of took control of the northern area. There's a northern area of the country which they sort of, um, they brought the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front. They got them under, well, they basically brought them to heel. Um, but they have had a resurgence and they are now only 156 miles away from Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. So there is a real fear that they um, will over override all the government troops. Um, it's gotten so bad now that the government are actually, you know, they've, they've essentially um, told the people, especially in the capital um, and all over, to, uh, to arm themselves to essentially fight and take it to the streets, fight to the last man. So it could c- turn very nasty. Because um, as I said, the the TPLF who uh, uh, who have been fighting against the government have made a really strong comeback, and they are not far from the capital. So there's there's a question of whether they can actually take the country. But they feel like so. Well, this is what they've said anyway. They feel like they have to be able, they have to essentially overthrow the government, or the government will wipe them out. So it's sort of like you know, kill or be killed type situation. Um, but yeah, it could turn really messy. And you know that, as I said, in addition to Sudan, uh, Mali, um, yeah, it's not looking good for that stretch of land from east to west in Africa at right all. now. And at the same time, there's this new um, uh, confederation that's taking place on the other side of the continent. I believe is it East Africa? You don't know. You know what, guys? Sorry to bring up information and not bring it back, but I'm going to bring it up next week and I'll talk about it in depth. That will be my across the pond for next week. Yeah, you know, yours is next week, mine's this week. Let's okay, sorry. I, I, I apologise for trying to hijack your story. I just thought it was an interesting tidbit, but I'll come back with the information. Thank tomorrow. you. It's down my story. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBanePod. And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said.